As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC podcast. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday, of course, which means that I'm your host, David Ubbin, joined, as always, by my co-host, Josh Kendall. Josh, we have some business. We have some business to take care of today. You realize this? No, I didn't know what's on the agenda. I, I've come to the meeting unprepared. Forgive me. <laughs> today we are in the courtroom. Uh, we got to talk cocktail party. Florida and Georgia going down. I, you know, it's interesting. This game is interesting because this is this is truly a, a game that you measure your program by. You know, Georgia for the last what two three years, everything they do is defined by Alabama. And since Dan Mullen has gotten to Florida, everything he's done has been defined by Georgia. And now you get to find out who you are, what you are, and how close you are. How is this going? And Georgia's interesting. But today, we need to make the case for both of these teams heading into the cocktail party. I I like Florida in this game. I think Florida wins this game. And I can tell you why, but do you want to start us out with Georgia? Hang on. First of all, I need to wad up these three pages of notes I took for our Vandy Mississippi State preview. I thought that's what we were doing today. <laughs> So I'm, dis- well, I'm we, disappointed. Well, we'll save that for that, later. That's going to be a bonus. I'm episode. disappointed that I put all that work in. Uh, so mm-hmm. I will make the case for Georgia in and and I and I looked into this and I can't come up with a great stat or a great number that points toward Georgia. This is the only thing I can come up with, but I think it's relevant. Tackling. There are two stark differences when you watch Alabama and Georgia play than when you watch anybody else in the SEC play. One of them is speed. The second one is tackling. Those dudes get other dudes on the ground. One-on-one tackling, whap, that guy's on the ground. Georgia does that better than anybody, I think, in the conference. And that is particularly important 
against spread offenses that just want to get you in space. That's particularly important against Dan Mullen. If Georgia can – and Georgia's beat up on defense, certainly. But this is where stacking 12 number one recruiting classes in a row benefits you because they got dudes behind the dudes. As long as Georgia tackles the way that they have tackled in the first half of the season, I think that they keep Florida's offense neutralized-ish and can score enough points – you know, with maybe 47 minutes of time of possession and 56 carries to win the game. <laughs> well, again, on the flip side of that, I, I think the case for Florida is pretty simple. Uh, I would say it's offensive, honestly. You know, Florida can score. Uh, and I think that's when you talk about trying to make them, uh, you know, kind of nickel and dime you down the field and tackling well, that's when you need a quarterback who can make some good decisions. And we've seen that Kyle Trask can do that. You know, Florida – they scored at least 38 in every game they've played this year. Georgia, only 38 in the last two games. We know what Georgia's defense is. Um, but the SEC's changing. We've seen this. Uh, we've seen the spread uh, take over this league. Um, I guess, what, Texas A&M deserves some credit for that? Uh, a little bit, I think, um, in, in showing them that, hey, this is how you beat Nick Saban's teams. And then, you know, a lot of people are, are, are taking that from that. And, and Florida not necessarily – doing anything close to the same things but certainly uh a throwback to the, the urban meyer days with 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 dan Moore in there that's why he was hired at florida to do some similar things and right now this is about having arguably the sec's best quarterback in kyle trask one of its best passing threats in kyle pitts who is just a matchup nightmare the dirk Nowitzki of the of the sec you want to put a linebacker on him he's going to run past him you want to put a corner or a, or a, you know a, a nickelback on him he's just going to boss him Plus a bunch of other weapons, Kadarius Tony, Trevon Grimes, and Trask can get it to those guys. And and yes, Florida's defense is not great, but it's good enough to hold up against a Georgia team that I, I'm not sure can score against a lot of teams. Um, and Florida's front seven can hold up. And if this offense gets to 27 or 30, which I think will win the game for them, you know, th- that that's the ball game. Uh, Florida's just a more balanced team. You know, uh, the defense last week especially played really well against an underrated Missouri offense with, with Connor Bazelak. And, you know, you look around, I think Georgia's a better team, a better roster than Florida, but they match up terribly with the Gators. <clears throat> and, you know, it comes down to Georgia has a liability at quarterback, and Florida has an asset. And if you look back at the history of this game, I went back and looked at it this week, that hasn't been the case where you could say Georgia has a liability and Florida has a real asset. That hasn't been the case since 2009 when Florida had some guy named Tim Tebow and Georgia had Joe Cox, and Florida won that game by 27 points. This Georgia team is really good, and you're right about the talent level. There's a big gap between them and Florida. But they're not bullying people like they have the last couple of years. This Georgia team is, is does not look the same um, as it did the last couple of seasons when they were real playoff contenders. Florida can, and I think they will win this game. I think that this is a fair test to your point of the where we are in the offense versus defense balance of the league. I think we have to remove Alabama to some degree and Alabama's offense to some degree from the equation. We saw what they did to Georgia. That's frankly an outlier, especially when it had when they had Jalen Waddell. They're an outlier. I don't know how much the rest of the league can depend on. Well, Alabama ran all over Georgia. That's a different thing. So I think you're right that the, the offense-defense matchup here is a 
more fair indicator of where the def- where the league is overall in sort of this offense versus defense does good pitching beat good hitting argument that'll be yeah, that'll be fascinating to see i think it would be a better test a better example and will be if georgia's healthier on defense than they look like they might be i think that that'll be key but again i still think they have plenty of guys who can match up with florida florida is now in the position not quite as dramatically but sort of georgia 90s light in the fact that they have to now prove they can win this game the the onus is on them to get over the hump and that takes some effort regardless of what kind of team you got just climbing that mountain and finally cresting that hill takes a little effort i still think georgia can hold them off and keep them on the upslope of this rivalry but it will be interesting yeah i think so i i just think you know, you look around, Florida's got to, got to feel like there's an opportunity here. Um, if there's not again, an opportunity for at, Florida here, they're going to, people in Florida, people in the orange and blue are going to have to be really down because you're not yeah. going to catch Georgia with Stetson Bennett every year. No. They're still recruiting no. at a very high level. If Florida doesn't win this game, a lot of Gator fans are going to be wondering on Saturday night, when are we ever going to win this game? Well... Uh, another another Halloween costume might help smooth things over. Um, if that, if if they don't win the game, yeah, I want to see. Yeah, I want to see that I, that costume from Dan Mullen if they get beat by fourteen points and <laughs> only you know score get beat thirty one to seventeen or something. Legitimately, if they lose to Missouri, does he does he leave the Darth Vader costume? Surely, right? No, I don't think so. I think he still comes out. I, I, I think we have seen. <laughs> I think we have seen enough evidence now that Dan Mullen cannot read a room. He has no concept <laughs> of what's going on beyond you know out past his fancy shoes. I'm not even cool enough to know what kind of shoes he wears, other than he thinks they're cool. I believe they were custom Florida Georgias. Uh, the the. Uh, or Florida Jordans, I mean. Right. Um, the, I custom cocktail custom Florida the Georgia shoes would be great. Nike should do a custom <laughs> shoe for the cocktail party. I don't know what it would be, but that would be a great shoe. But Dan Mullen has no concept of what's going on outside of Dan Mullen. It appears to me, based on the evidence we've seen this season. Yeah. You may be right. Um, I'm just excited to see this game. You know, this isn't this isn't Georgia-Alabama, like you said, where there's so much talent. But I think, you know, Richard LeCount, Jordan Davis, those guys that it looks like George's not going to have, they got talented guys behind them. But talent and experience are not the same thing. And talent and experience is a heck of a combo. Yeah. And Georgia had that. And that's going to be tough to replace, um, specifically at two separate levels of the defense. I think Florida takes advantage. I, I think Florida is the team that can control the line of scrimmage in this game um, more than people expect. And again, I just think we've people people see have seen so much from Georgia the last two or three years, and kind of like Alabama, sometimes they get sort of a lifetime achievement award. They say, "Well, we've seen them beat up on teams, so surely they're this team." But if you really watch them this year, you really look at them. They struggle with Kentucky. They're losing to Tennessee at halftime. Uh, they just have not been impressed. The quarterback Obviously, is the, the quarterback game. is a problem. The, it is. It's a big because, problem, especially when you're playing Florida, who can put up points like like crazy. That pulls you down. So you look that at pulls Arkansas, everybody that down. Game too. There's no question. They just they haven't looked like a great team, and then of course they 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 just don't look like they're on the same level with Alabama this year. So I think there's a lot of assumptions, and I think it does start with the quarterback spot. And 
Georgia is just you can't give them a lifetime achievement award. I think people make a lot of assumptions because the roster is so stacked, but the reality is they they don't match up well with Florida, and that's why they lose this game. I'll 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 still take the dogs, but you you make a compelling argument for the Gators. We'll see, and it, and it is nice to see you know a big game after a you know I don't know a week that was not great. We need a gavel. Uh, I have a coffee cup on a coaster, so I'll I'll adjourn. I don't think that showed up on the mic. No, I heard it. That came across. That was a good. That was a good <laughs> approximation. I liked it. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. So, looking elsewhere in the SEC, we're halfway through the season. Uh, A lot of buyouts being calculated, a lot of uh, restless fans. Who are the teams in the SEC that have the most to lose this weekend? I will I will let you tee us off. Well, I'm going to go back to our old friend Mike Leach in Mississippi State and you know this I will finally get my Vandy Mississippi State reference in, but I think <laughs> if you're if you're Mississippi State you can't lose this game. I mean, you could as bad as they've looked and the the mm-hmm. the sort of state that that program is in they could lose this game, but if you lose to Vandy and it's on the way to losing nine straight, I think it's reasonable to think that we could be looking at a one-and-done in Starkville. Not necessarily from Mississippi State making a move, but Mike Leach, you've got to think that at some point in Mike Leach's career of counterculture, that one day he's just going to say, to heck with this, and walk out the door. I mean, he loses nine straight. He's clearly not real happy with a lot of the team that he's got, or maybe he's happy with the team he has left now with Kylan Hill you know, gone and several other people gone and him saying more people may be gone soon. I don't know. I, it, it turned really quickly from a feel-good story, and yes, Mike Leach can work in the SEC, and boy, Tennessee, aren't you dumb for not hiring Mike Leach to what in the world is going on and car god, crash you can't look away from it yeah point. i mean god bless vandy i really you know i think the sec everybody in the sec should embrace vandy for what they are because i think they bring some sort of real world legitimacy to a league that um colors outside the lines and in, in other areas but vandy's back to being bad vandy this is i mean this mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a not a not good football team that's a bad football team if mississippi state loses that game i think we're on sort of leech watch from there on out and i'm not even i guess you could probably point to kyle Shermer leaving but you look at you know kari blasting game and 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 uh you know all the the offensive talent that they lost last year if it feels you know vandy hasn't been really bad you know really at any point since they had James Franklin come along, and it's 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 hard to watch uh, because they've been pretty respectable, and this is 
you could kind of see it wobbling at the end of last year, and now it's it's really. But it, it's but at my good. age, this is the Vandy that you remember. This is the Vandy that yeah. I'm that I grew up familiar with, which is bad Vandy, and Vandy is our buddy who helps keep the cumulative GPA up, and we all yeah, love. Yeah, this is the Vandy that puts the team GPA on the front of the media. media right. Guy. I mean, this, is, this is so. And and I'm fine with that, and I think the SEC should be fine with that. And frankly, I'm okay if Vanderbilt is fine with that. If they say we don't really have an athletic department, this is basically a glorified intramural team because that's because <laughs> our mission is not football. That's okay mm-hmm. if a university does not care about football above anything else. I know that that's a shocking statement for most SEC fans to hear, but that's okay if they don't think football rules the world. So we can still love them. We can still embrace them. But if you're Mississippi State, you can't lose to them. On the other side of the coin, the uh, the other team I think has the most to lose this week. Some team, a team I know a lot about, Tennessee. You know, I'm I'm not going to say Jeremy Pruitt's coaching for his job right now. That's that's not reality. He does he has a lot of support uh, in the athletic department. Obviously, you know his boss, Phil Fulmer, handpicked him, loves him, has backed him pretty strongly consistently throughout all this so he's not coaching for his job plus he has a lot of winnable games left on the schedule but (laughs) this is a no upside all downside game the balls absolutely have to have that is looks a lot like a toss-up game and you don't get any credit for beating arkansas um and that's probably rightfully so but if you lose to a team that was winless in the sec in front of a small crowd, so even if you're on the road, it's like, well, not really. Who has a first-year coach, a transfer, first-year quarterback, this sort of rebooted roster. What excuse do you have? Um, because he, he's played the, well, you know, we didn't get much of a camp and um, all this stuff. We missed a bunch of practice and uh, all this. And, and that those are real reasons why your team can, can suffer. But they're not reasons why you can lose to a team that has all of those things that I just listed. So... The answer to the question of what excuse you have is none. Um, And this is a game that they have to have. Um, You know, Georgia this year was the biggest game of the Pruitt era. They did not get their breakthrough. They played really well for a half. Now they're holding on and trying to prevent a breakdown. Um, But besides Georgia, you know, this... You know, this is the biggest game of the Pruitt era since the Mississippi State game last year. You know, when they're sitting at 1-4, and they need a win so bad. You lose this game, you got A&M coming to town, a game that you probably can win, but you're going to be a home dog in that game, and you're staring a five-game losing streak uh, in the face. And this is, uh, you can't understate the importance of this game because you can't get to five and five if you lose this game. It's going to be tough to get to four and six if you lose this game. You got to win it. You can, you know, if you can win this game, you're competitive in all the other games. You put a scare into Florida or you beat Florida and you finish at four and six. It's not good. But, and people are doubting you big picture, but no one's having a real conversation about your job. You sitting there at three and seven and you get whacked by Florida in the finale. Oh boy, that's a long off season. That's going to be tough to recruit. And you, you, this game is massive, massive, massive. And it may decide the trajectory of where this program goes over the next year uh and so it's a tough spot to be in like i said because it's an all upside or all downside no upside game but these are the games that if you're going to build a program you got to start winning i'm gonna go ahead and apologize to you in advance because i know what this take means for your quality of life as a tennessee beat writer (laughs) 
But there are 13 fan bases across the country that cannot wait across the league that cannot wait for Tennessee to lose to Arkansas because the when is Phil Fulmer going to fire Jeremy Pruitt and insert himself as head coach? <laughs> the coup rumor talk, I can guarantee is, you the coup is, talk will is be is a top three storyline in the SEC when you're looking at it from afar. So that rumor, that storyline will bring a lot of joy to my life personally, which is, <laughs> is more important to me, if I'm being honest, than your life. So that's what, I, that's what 13 fan bases are rooting for. But again, my apologies to you because it will be dreadful for you. I've been in that boat. I'm sorry in advance, but if it helps you any, the rest of us will get a lot of joy out of it. Well, congratulations on on that. We will see. Last year was pretty was pretty entertaining, and then they start rallying, and they got a quarterback with one hand. They were pretty entertaining this year, or last year. They're not that entertaining this year. Uh, they're just like the last three weeks have been interesting. Um, just because that that Kentucky game was, as I cover South Carolina. I cover South Carolina. I know where you're coming from. I get. I, I, <laughs> I feel you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're moving on to our our final segment of the day. Uh, a new segment called Professor Rubin. Josh, you've got a take for me. I'm gonna drop a. I'm gonna drop a, a rubber stamp grade on you. What do you got? For Fair us? enough. This is my take. The SEC's fine system for head coaches specifically is complete theater which exists only for public relations purposes. The incentive disincentive structure is just that is based on nothing but whim and and theater. To fine Lane Kiffin $25,000 for what frankly are pretty funny tweets about officiating that's true <laughs> first and, of all yeah, and and then to find dan mullen the same amount of money for whatever his rationale you know at 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 minimum you can say that he heated up a situation that was that did not need heating up he might have been the one who struck the match your mm-hmm. a head coach can't do that that is dangerous that is against everything else we hear from the league about sportsmanship and we carry ourselves this certain way and it just means more you know you you can't find those things the same and then pretend that you carry like like that that how we carry ourselves and how we operate matters because what dan mullen did i'm not saying he should be suspended but you got that's got to be more egregious in your mind than Lane Kiffin retweeting some blind ref tweets. So that that that's and that's my take. It should all it, it should also be noted that Lane Kiffin was right and the SEC admitted he was right and he was fined for tweeting that things that were correct. Right. What like that's what, that's what crazy. the SEC is saying is that inflaming a heated situation is equally bad as telling us that we've done something wrong. So there we go. That's my take. Well, you're, go ahead. I, I, I eagerly I await my you, grade. I will give you an A minus on this. Oh, I'll I take like that. it, and I think I think the biggest thing that that I came away with 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 all of that is just sort of I agree, I agree with you because I think you you look at especially the the money amount. It is just sort of a way to say, well, we don't agree with this, but there is no act. Yeah, you're right. The disincentive, the incentive structure is broken. 
but it's it's really it's pretty meaningless. Like twenty five thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money, but what were you saying last year or last week? Point six point six four percent of his salary last week for Mullen. It's a three hundred dollar fine yeah. for a regular American. for Mullen. That was zero point four percent of his salary. Mm-hmm. Almost mm-hmm. literally nothing. He will not. I don't know how these guys get paid. That would be a fascinating story to know how the direct deposit hits for these guys and when it hits and all this. He when, when when his wife is sitting down with the checkbook and entering in the the plus, you know, they're they're literally not going to notice that the money is gone. Mm-hmm. That's where I am. Yeah, and it is. I I think they did miss an opportunity because that's the biggest thing. Is if you are going to say it's the exact same thing, which that's is what, what you're saying. saying with this fine structure, it's it's a little silly. And it's and I I still think it matters that. The SEC admitted Lane Kiffin was right, and then find find him. Brzezinski's right. Like that's that's different than you know. I think you have to be careful the terms that you use about what Dan Mullen did. Inciting a brawl is probably no. Not and fair. I and I hope I didn't use but the he, word inciting. But I think, no, you didn't. But I, but he, he definitely did not help. It was not helping to calm the situation. Which that situation also didn't necessarily require the level of intensity. Like that was a late hit. Yeah. But it was a clean hit. It was a tweener hit. Like it wasn't like they're guys don't get hurt on hits. That, I, like, I heard about the hit before it. I saw the hit, and I assumed in my head that it must have been worse than it was. Somebody diving at his yeah. Knees I mean, 10 I, seconds I, I after thought play. that you yeah. know we we you know guys we could have all just gone to the locker room and gotten on with our lives <laughs> after that. Maybe yeah. an offensive lineman I, comes over and says something mean about his mother, and then we move on with it. <laughs> Yeah, if that if somebody is taking a missile shot from the side yeah. at his knees five seconds after he throws the ball, I, I'm actually okay with guys yeah. getting after. But but that hit, which like it's like slightly late. It's it's high, but it's not at his head. It's at his shoulders. It's not targeting. Bobby like, Bowden. Bobby Bowden would call that playing him. to the echo of the whistle. Yeah, he's not. No one gets hurt. That hit that Trask. No one gets hurt on a hit like that. That just makes you say, "Hey, we're here." We're going to be in your face, in the pocket, like so-and-so. Like that, just incredible overreaction on the part of, of, of Florida. And I'm sure, you know, however, you know, Missouri reacted obviously didn't help. But that was that, – that situation did not deserve uh, the – I don't know what you – I guess you could call it a brawl. There were some pretty serious punches thrown. That was Yeah, there were a couple a, of guys going. That was not a fake hold-me-back situation. They were, they were getting after yeah. it. <laughs> well – uh, Josh, congratulations! I will enter your grade in the grade book. Uh, you should be okay. Well, we may have to keep track of your. This is the best grade I've gotten in years, so I'm pretty excited. I may stop. <laughs> can I? I like it. Can I skip the oh, final man. if I have a, if I'm satisfied with my GPA at this point? Uh, um, no, the SEC championship week is mandatory, so you're going right. to have uh, to have to drop it on here. Well, that will do it for this week's show. Thanks, you guys, for for tuning in uh, again. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you should change that. You can read all of our stuff and do that at theathletic.com backslash grits. Uh, Josh and I and our whole SEC team, our whole college football team, Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples, you can hear on this show on Mondays and on The Andy Staples Show. Uh, Stu Mandel, of course. Uh, Got a full week of content. We're still cooking uh, on this podcast. And, uh, again, leave us a review. Subscribe if you haven't already. Five-star rating. It always helps get the word out. And, of course, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again on Thursday. Myself and Mitch Light will be back here uh, talking plenty more SEC football. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. (laughs) 